this week's Toronto FC segment of the Starting Eleven podcast, we're talking about Seattle Sounders 3, TFC 2. We'll be breaking down our overall performance, the continued problems at the back, and how to set up for this week's clash against Minnesota. All that and more coming up right here, right now, on the Starting Eleven podcast. Welcome to the Starting Eleven Toronto FC edition. This is the first week where we have split the main podcast into two parts, the English Premier League edition and the Toronto FC. And we are here talking about all things local football. So naturally, with me today is Peter Robinson. Support local football. Yeah, 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 we get that. (laughs) And Andre McRae. T.O. Ale. T.O. Ale. T.O. Ale. And I am your host, Cengiz Khan, uh, Justin Barrow, is um well we said he's died in a farming accident what what else can we say he uh well he unfortunately he did go back to that farm and there was a donkey there the donkey has unfortunately kicked him so he is out for medical reasons so we do wish him all the best and and if he could stop farming when he listens to this podcast that would be great it's emotionally draining to farm too and uh he said today that you know he's not in the right frame of mind because he just uh he can't bring himself to leave and rejoin civilization He's just got he's just got a real bad case of being the green guy. So mm. I think it's just one of those ones where having that green thumb that he's got recently, he needs to change that up. Gotta love city folk, you know. They spend one day out in the countryside and suddenly they think they're bear grills. It's uh you hate to see it. You hate to see it. He's wearing only plaid now. It's, it's, it's just He was it's, always wearing only plaid. What are you talking about? <laughs> That's how I feel about people who like go hunting for mushrooms. Like, oh, look at this one. Look at that one. My sister did that. <laughs> like, what are you going to do? Went, she went up. She literally went up to, like, none of it to do that. <laughs> now, I'm, so, now I'm just imagining Justin in the wilderness with this double-barrel shotgun. And he's just on the prowl for rabid mushrooms that might just jump out <laughs> and attack him. Oh, God, a mushroom. And he shoots yeah. it. It's like, oh, wait, I needed that. Yeah. Oh. Well, at least he'll come smoked. Hey. <laughs> nice smoky flavor. But um, Anyways, oh, that. let's get straight into it. It's the Toronto FC show, so we're going to be talking about Toronto FC, and we're going to be starting off part one with a complete dissection of Seattle Sounders 3, Toronto FC 2. I Goals can't believe from... how bad Alex Bono... Actually, wait, he didn't even play. Oh, yeah, yeah. Hey! We called that. Remember, we called that last week. We did call that. We're happy about uh, that. And I, I really... It was bound to happen. Yeah. Like, it was going yeah. to happen. No, but... That was like... We, we, we're going to... No, let's... let's Honestly, let's be serious. Let's take credit for it, like a good podcast does. Vanny, <laughs> thank you very much for listening to podcasts. Yeah. We appreciate... We know you listen. All you've done. Yeah, we know you, you're, you're listening. Um, thank you for, for tuning in every week and taking our tactical advice to heart. No, but in all seriousness, though, uh, Toronto... I don't see. I don't want to call them. I don't want to say they had a good game, but I don't want to say they had a bad game either. Like, how would like? I, I, would you guys say they were more good than bad, or vice versa? Like, it felt like they got unlucky. It was they. We had, Toronto had a good game. Like, I, I will. I will say Toronto did have a good game, but God, that was unlucky. Mm-hmm. Just shots that just weren't going in. It just it's it's so frustrating because the shots were for the most part pretty close. And then the shots on target were were only one off. It was it was twelve to nine and five to four respectively. So it was like the pass accuracy was pretty much the same. The possession was Toronto yeah. the whole way through. But I think Fry, like, I think Sebastian Fry was definitely one of the key differentiators that game. He had two 
well, just the one very late save against Pozuelo. Um, but he made a number of very crucial interceptions throughout that game too. Fry, Fry was like the biggest, and he wasn't very good when he was with Toronto. Like he wasn't terrible, but we need to buy him and bench him. <laughs> the Mourinho way. I am saying, yeah, the, the, we got to Mourinho him, okay? Like this is just, it's, I can't handle Seattle beating us anymore. This is just driving me nuts. Yeah, so let's break down those goals exactly. Um, so to start off, it was a good start for Toronto. Uh, Pozuelo and Jose Altador combined in the 11th minute to make it 1-0 to Toronto. Will Bruin struck back for Seattle's in the 24th minute. They went to halftime at 1-1. At the 66th minute, uh, Will Bruin... Seattle had a really good passage of play that sent Wilburin in on goal. It was a very good finish after a very good move. That just that really spoke to the quality of how Seattle, how good Seattle are right now. I don't think any team in the MLS would have stopped that goal, especially with Toronto FC's defense. It just happened to be in the back of the net. Roldan got perhaps the most painful goal to watch as a Toronto supporter. Uh, I certainly was not happy with the way it, it panned out. We're going to dissect that goal and uh, talk about it in a sec. He got that goal in the 68th minute. And then two minutes later, Josie Altador finished home a very nice through ball to make it 3-2. So let's talk about that first goal. Pozuelo combining once again with Josie Altador. Crossing coming in from the inside left all the way to the back post where Josie was waiting to finish it off with his head. That was if you if you watch that build up that play, Pozuelo has got some just whole otherworldly levels about him, right? Because if you go back and you watch it, the tenth minute, he he not only sees where Altador is, but he sees the run up. You can watch him kind of lift his head up as he's running with the ball, and he can see over in the distance that that Altador is there. You can look at his head looking directly at him. To go go one even further, he actually cut back. He saw he was he was kind of running into a dead channel. Uh, on the left side of that 18-yard box, and then he saw uh, Altador run in from the far side, and he actually stopped, cut back, and gave himself a little bit of space and room to get that ball in. And it was just that was that's that's next level thinking, and that was just absolutely incredible. Uh, somebody had really like kind of pointed that out just to sort of look at where where his head is, and that's that's the thing that kills me is because of you see the head, you see him kind of stop, turn, take a look at it, and go, I need to pull this back. That's some amazing, amazing ability to just be able to predict that kind and of And I play. think this is where we can differentiate Pozuelo from Chavinko. Uh, Chavinko, in a spot like that, probably would have tried to take the defender on and take a shot himself, whereas Pozuelo is consistently looking to be the provider. And that's what yep. Josie has needed. His whole time that he's been at TFC, if, he, if he's had someone to the, ball, the great balls in like Pozuelo does... As, as is evident so far, he's able to meet, meet it with his head and he's able to actually score goals. Um, he's on a great run of form right now and they're on a great run together. So I'm hoping that it can continue. And this is definitely the Altador that we've been waiting to see since 2017 and 2016. He's already up to five goals in four games. Compare that with last year, and I know he was out injured for a period of time and the whole team was down, but last year he managed only seven goals in 13 games. This man is on fire, and I wonder how much of this new relationship with Pozuelo and Altador is down to the, just the fact that Altador is playing with confidence, he is getting himself in positions, and he's taking advantage of the full range of abilities that, that Pozuelo has to offer. I don't know if he's... I don't, like. It's fair to say like he is definitely scoring more because of Pozuelo. Oh, absolutely is. Is he? Do you think he's trying more things just because Pozuelo is on the field? 
Or is it the case of Pozuelo finding him because he's producing some kind of magic? I think Pozuelo is able to find him, even if he's making the wrong run, he's still able mm. to find him. Um, so just having that ability to play with someone like Josie, who, let, let's be real, he, he's a unit <laughs> in, the, a unit. Uh, in the 18. Uh, so if you can get the ball into him, he'll find it with his head. You just have to have the right distributor and that's what Pozzuolo is yeah he's he's always been that guy to be in the position to try to use his head or to do a header so I think I think now it is kind of maybe a little bit of both he's maybe got the confidence to do the run-up but or or maybe we're just noticing it more because the run-up is not going you know he's not running up there and then it's pulling back you saw that I think it was the 20th minute I believe it was about the 20th minute Delgado has a run-up and just takes a shot at it when you had both Delgado mm. and uh, Altador were doing that run up, and I'm just like, you know, I looked at it, why wouldn't you just through ball it, right. pass it, or go right. from there? Like, it's a very, it's a very big golfing class between Pozuelo and the rest of the field, especially when it comes to passing ability. Going to Jose Altador's second, again, another Pozuelo and Altador link up. Pozuelo takes the ball off uh, one of the midfielders in midfield. I forget uh, who it was exactly who gave him that that ball initially, but he takes it from sort of the left side of the midfield and just sides through the defense with a lovely curved through ball that Josie Elster runs onto and then finishes it from a position where he has no right to finish. Uh, these two are now combining for all kinds of goals. We've seen the tap-in, we've seen the headers, we've seen the cross-field passes. Now we've seen a very technical finesse ball from a build-up that you would see more often in a Spanish league from a very technical side. So these two can really do it all. I wonder if there's something they can't do at this point. Uh, it's going to be interesting because, I mean, Pizzuolo, he's played three games. He already has six points. Uh, obviously, this, this form isn't going to be consistent. It, it's hard to keep up a form like that, especially in sort of like a long, trudgy season like the, uh, like the MLS is with a lot of travel. Um, so you are going to see him get a few games of rest, I think. Uh, as well as Josie's going to get... Also coming off the back of a, the Belgian league, right? Like he just finished the whole season and now he's coming to well, exactly. the full season. Well, exactly. I think we're almost benefiting from the fact that he was in the Belgian league up until his his mm. transfer um, and, and him sort of being slated right into the first team. So we're benefiting from that because he's been playing top-level championship uh, football with, with Gank. Uh, and then he's he's able to bring that right into the MLS. I just hope it doesn't come back and backfire on us because that's you know with a, with the injury problems that we've had, I just I, I, get, I just get worried over over like just the over usage of a player and 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 I'm hoping because mm-hmm. he's not even at Genki, he wasn't a very injury prone player. You know, it wasn't a, it wasn't the Altidore where if you look at his knee too hard, he he tears an ACL. <laughs> so I'm, I'm just hoping we, we get away with that and we don't, you know, I'm knocking on wood as quiet as I can so it doesn't sound like in the microphone. But, but like, I have pretty much been knocking on my wood here for about an hour. Can you, okay, for, for the sake of your health, please stop <laughs> knocking on your wood. It's, uh, 
let's uh, let's just kind of try and do it in moderation. I'd say just like <laughs> anything. Speaking of doing things in moderation, playing Mavinga at centre back. Yeah, it's probably something that shouldn't really happen anymore. <laughs> it's Mavinga time. Is- it's that time of the it's that time of the week where I go all in on Mavinga. No, but seriously, um, the next thing I want to talk about was Vanny switch to three five two. Um, on the podcast, so he does listen week, to the podcast. He does listen to the podcast. We were saying in the last last podcast that three five two could be an option. Um, but not with Eric Zavaleta. I think we learned not that. With, not with Eric Zavaleta and certainly not with Mavinga because the reason you play 3-5-2 is to give yourself a little bit more defensive solidity. It's a good formation to play against two strikers. It's also a good um, formation to play against when you want to shut down the midfield, where you want to put a lot of bodies in front of their midfield so they make it, it makes it hard to play through the middle. And yet, all three of those goals came from passages of play which took advantage of a complete lack of coordination in and amongst the centre-backs. I don't think Eric Zavaleta was anywhere near any of the three goals, which is a problem for me. Especially when you're playing three at the back, because it's not a wide three. So it's supposed to be a condensed three at the back with the two pseudo wing wing backs, and that wasn't happening. Um, there seems to be a lack of, co- of communication between Simon and Mavinga and Zavaleta, and it's it's getting to a point where if it continues like that, what, where do you go? Like mm. we, we don't ha- really have anyone else to put back there. Uh, so this is my call out to Nick Hagland. Please come back. Oh my God. <laughs> we miss you. Uh, and I, I love, I love Hagland. I don't give a yeah, damn me too. what anybody says. And he's got one of the best heading stats in FIFA, which is great. I don't know why Morgan didn't start over Zavaleta. And you know what I, and, and I want to test this out. Let's see if he does listen. Uh, when, I, when I'm kind of looking at the scenario that he's got now, what would make more sense for me is having almost like a 3-3-2-2. Three, three, two, two. Just kind of in a weird sort of diamond shape and moving uh, Delion up and switching Azorio with Moro and letting both those guys do a lot of wing play because I found that was it, it was a lot of Delgado running up the wing, which and should never happen. Delgado shouldn't not, be on the pitch. I mean, he <laughs> might make a mean cocktail, so maybe he can stay on the <laughs> sidelines and do that. And you know what? You're probably a good human being, Delgado, but. God, stop touching the ball when it comes to shooting it. Stop it. Just stop it. Okay? But let's be real. Delgado or not, I mean, we lost this game because of the defense yet again. Yes. And I think this is a theme for most MLS. MLS. We understand that MLS does not produce good defenders. It does not good, produce good defensive play generally. But you'd think with a 3-5-2 and with Seattle playing a 4-3-3, we should have been okay. But two of those goals came down our right flank from our right centre-back being woefully out of position. Yeah. He didn't stop that initial cross that Will Bruin then used to split the centre-backs, which we'll talk about in, in just a few seconds here, uh, who will just, will just head it in. Um, and then he was completely outclassed for that play. I mean, it was a very good passage of play that Seattle made to score their second goal. But again, if there was anybody competent at right centre-back, I don't think that ball would have gotten to that point to begin with. I don't think that that cross comes in and Mavinga is left scrambling to to shut that person down. Simon's dragged out of position because Zavaleta's messed up. And then Mavinga yeah. has to track back from left center back and as a result, the attacker had a very easy run into the box. For once, Mavinga's not at fault there. <laughs> and that's, but it's, it, it it's was, not, it's not Mavinga. Like you, you see the look of, you know, Simon's there, he's got it. And then he doesn't, he misses him, doesn't know he's mm. there anymore, tries to keep track, and you just see the, 
oh shit, like he's not moved. The the Seattle player's not moving. I have to go. I have to go and track back. But you're too late at that point, especially with that kind of a shot. That run should have been made four seconds ago, five seconds uh, ago. Yeah, 100%. He should have always been goal side of him too. Do you mm-hmm. think Mavinga is getting confused by Michael Bradley and Laurent Samal looking similar? <laughs> <laughs> well, does Michael Bradley have a weird? No, but I mean, like, if you well, just glance I, and you see, like, a Bradley's bald head, a you might be like, hey, man. Bradley's oh, he does have a beard, doesn't Bradley's he? got a beautiful beard. I think you could probably tell them apart by the way they swear, because I think Simon's <laughs> swearing in French constantly. <laughs> Because I as as he as he's like running, he's just going come out, come out, come out, come out. Because for that third goal, where where uh, Roldan got through and had absolutely nobody on him. Yes, I want to. Mavinga and Saman were covering the exact same person, um, and to to me, that's a breakdown uh, in Bradley's communication because it's not Bradley's job though. He's a whole no, no, no. I, I mean, as in like it, it's a breakdown in his communication because he oh. should be. He should, as captain, he should be yelling at Mavinga to come over, or Vesberg should be yelling at Mavinga to slide over and cover the run. Um, See, he's here's, wide open. Here's where it gets a bit. Here, okay, so it, it, I'm going to go on a deep dive here now um, and talk about those two goals. Uh, the first one by Will Bruin, where the cross comes in, and uh, Will Bruin gets in between Simon and Mavinga. Now, Simon was called ball watching. You can see it on the replay. He's just looking at the ball. He's not looking at the guy creeping up behind him. Okay, so that's bad defense by Simon generally. You want to play your man, then you play the ball first. Okay, and you don't need to be ball watching as soon as it leaves the guy's foot. You need to take a look around. You need to look at where your man is, adjust for your man, then look at the ball. You still have like maybe two or three seconds to react to that because it wasn't exactly a whipped in cross. It was floating in the air for some time. And then you, you take care of it. Now, Mavinga... As the the second part of that center back pairing, and they've been now played together now for two two games in a row, he should be there. He should be that backup uh, center back in case things go wrong. Now he should have realized that Simon was ball watching. I don't know if Mavinga was ball watching, but he basically allowed Will Bruin to get come up in front of him, and he he didn't look to what Simon was doing, and he didn't go in to cover the guy either there was nobody on him again like last game he moved from a central position to a left back position to cover a non-existent player he did pretty much the same thing again now for this goal for Wilburn's goal he didn't cover Simon's defensive feelings and granted those defensive feelings shouldn't have happened in the first place but he does not have the game awareness to realize what's happening even if it's happening right in front of him he does he's pulling up he's pulling up a lot more too because I'm watching especially in certain parts of the highlights, he's up a lot higher than you would think he, he should be, especially for a defense. Like for our second goal, it's a, it's a direct play from Simon to Pozuelo to Altador. Mm. So, and it's a, he's pretty high up the pitch. And it's, I mean, it was a great ball by Simon. I have to give him credit for that. It was a really great three yeah. ball that passed by a lot of Seattle players to find Pozuelo. But it's one of those ones that just should not have happened. No, like he just—he should not be up there, and he should be back, especially with how far these Seattle players were spread out. Like, had he had that ball got picked off, or he had the wrong pass, he would have been backtracking hard, so he wouldn't have been marking anybody in that backtrack. Mm. And I think that's my frustration with Samad is that he has this—I don't, I don't know if it's an arrogance about him, but almost to a point where he believes he can play any ball. He believes he can just spray it around like he's Andrea Pirillo of, you know, the, the back three. And mm. 
he he's not let's be honest he needs to worry about being defensive you know if you score three and we're trying to score three but we can't we still lose yeah if you can stop that third or stop that second from going in it gives you a better chance of winning i would rather a clean sheet a nil nil draw over a three two loss Oh, yeah, a hundred percent. But but I'll it, take a six six draw for a loss. It's true. <laughs> like, I th- I think the, the I think now with the game as it is in modern football, you, your your centre backs do have to have some kind of ball playing ability. So I don't think it's too it. I don't think it's too fair to criticize Simon uh, for his ambition with the ball. If he had made those, uh, if he had been a defender first and he had done his job as a defender well, I don't think we'd probably be talking about his passing ability. But yeah. as it as it stands, like he didn't do a good job defensively, and he didn't do too great of a job offensively. So we're just kind of chalking this down to a bad game overall, a bad mm-hmm. night at the office. Um, let's talk about the the other goals too. The second goal Seattle did, we kind of touched on it already with Eric Zavaleta out of position. I think that's more to do with Seattle kind of working it well. That's showed to, that that looked like a training ground move, honestly, with that tiki-taka to kind of just release uh, the left back who then crossed it in. It looked like a Liverpool goal uh, for me. It looked like a Robertson cross. Um, so that was just a well-worked goal. I, I don't really blame our defense a whole lot aside from Zavaleta from being, you know, absolutely terrible for it. Um, but the third goal, the third goal had me physically angry. Now, just so just so anybody who is intently listening can can follow along, what I have in our Discord here as we're recording is an image that I pulled from the official MLS highlights. You can look at the Seattle Sounders versus Toronto FC highlights on MLSsoccer.com, uh, and there's a video that's uh, four minutes in length. Skip to 2.15 in this video and pause it there. The time code at the top of the game should be six, 67 minutes, 31 seconds. What we see here is the ball that's played in to, uh, I think it was Roldan. Yeah, Roldan, who then has a free shot in it and then it slams it past Westberg. As that ball is played in, we see Mavinga covering somebody in center back. Now, Simon is somewhere else on the right side of the field. But as the play develops and it shifts towards the right side of the field, um, or the left side of the field relative to Toronto FC's defense, uh, Simon comes over. He just moves over with the side. With, he moves over with the ball. Um, Moro shifts out a little bit wider, and there's this almighty gap between Mavinga and Moro. And Mavinga is marking the guy from when the ball was sort of central and right side. And now as the ball shifts to the left, he doesn't move position. And the the Seattle Sounders know this. They see this gap now emerge, and then Roldan just exploits that gap. He just moves into that gap. And Mavinga stays rooted. He does not move. He sees the guy into space and he doesn't move. I think in his head, he's still marking the guy that was central, but he doesn't see Simon behind him, who is now covering that same player. He did not move with the with the passage of play. He did not see, recognize the massive, like, you could fit a football field in the gap between him and Justin Morrow. Like, for that gap to exist in this part of the pitch is just unacceptable. I don't understand how he thinks that's okay. I don't understand what he's thinking. Is he thinking there at all? Like, I'm sorry, like this is the Mavinga rank. You, uh, I accept this. I'm now openly ranting about this, but this is, how can, you ex- how can you be a professional defender and accept this kind of gap to allow this kind of goal in a, in a top level professional league? I just don't get it. But it's, I, 
I, I'm gonna I'm gonna rag on Mavinga less than again Simon. That that should have been something that he would have tapped him on the shoulder and said, "Buddy, I got this guy. Go mark them." You know they they do talk. There's a simple hierarchy on that pitch, and that's the captain. And other than that. You know, but he could, but where where Bradley is, he can't necessarily. He's looking at the ball. He's watching the midfield. Well, and that's it's why Simon Simon standing behind him should say, "I have him. Go mark right. them." Right. right? Especially too, they both speak French, so it's not even like there'd be a language barrier issue. Like they're they're, they're there's both, a leadership issue at the back, in, and and that's the thing, and that's where I'm gonna have to peg that on Simon, especially if he's age and he wants to to kind of command that back he should have said go over and mark those guys go over and keep on those guys I have him but here's the thing how can he be considered the defensive leader if he's not starting every game Mavinga seems to be starting every game that's because Mavinga is screwing up less and that's how our system works yeah <laughs> somehow sorry yeah, somehow Delgado and letter there huh. see I, I think Mavinga's been the constant out of all the goals we've conceded this season and yet that's somehow because, that's because you hate him did he break up I with d- you no, I don't hate him. I just think he's he's not thinking when he plays football. And it I makes know. me angry. <laughs> My issue with this is that Simon and Mavinga, they're covering the exact same person. Exactly. But there's no talk from Simon saying, go. Like, <laughs> like go. Well, we I know that Mavinga he... can make those tackles and make those sliding tackles, but he doesn't do that. Instead, he, he backs up away from the ball. Like you're backing See, up away from the ball in your own 18. For a centre-back of Simon's age and experience, I think I wouldn't blame him if he just sort of expected him to go across because that's what you do. You move with the ball. You don't stand in one position if you un, unless you want that to happen. But we also have to remember that this is the MLS. Yeah, okay. Well, leaving that aside for a second, it's just common <laughs> sense. Like, move with the ball. If you are the left-sided centre-back, why are you caught in a central centre-back position? Yeah, they, they've all they've all did a, a terrible job. Even Morrow, when you kind of go back and really watch it, mm. they've all done an absolutely atrocious job defending. You, you, Morrow, Morrow basically just stands there and kind of saunt. He's like got a jog. As soon as that ball comes passing by, and if you see in the picture, you can see him looking at the ball. He, he pretty much sees the ball get hit towards him. Kind of looks, turns his head, and goes, "Oh, there are people there," and then jogs kind of back slowly. As if it's like, oh, well, the other guys will get him. You're right. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's not perhaps his job to be the last-ditch defender. But even from this picture here, in the whole passage of play, the defense is very widely spread out. There's no compactness in this defense. And and you think with a 3-5-2, usually what you see in the Premier League and in other leagues as well, is that 3-5-2 is a 3-5-2 in attack, but then it becomes a 5-4-1 in defense. Right, because you can just bring everybody back, but it's still a three-five-two. In fact, it looks like a three. No, it looks like a two-five-two here because Mavinga and Simon are in the same position. So, not great performance defensively from Toronto. I think there was a lot of things that could have been done better. I think this Mavinga problem needs to be sorted out. This whole defensive problem needs to be sorted out big time if we are going to retain the. If, if we're going to make a place push for the playoffs, and if we're going to make a push for the supporters' shield. Um, real quick, though. Before we end this part and move on to the second part, Westberg. Uh, I love the fact that he has good distribution. Yes. He seems like he communicates pretty well. I think it's going to take a, a little bit of time for him to mesh with the defenders. But the fact that he can play with his feet, the fact that he can sort of sp- spray the ball to the other side. And uh, he, he did play a couple 
balls there where you were kind of thinking that's that's a good counterattack. Like that's yeah. that's the exact ball that you needed in order to spring the play the other way. He's also a little bit of a safety valve for the defenders because he's so good with his feet. So if they play the ball back to him, he's able to actually control it and look around as opposed to Alex Bono, who would just say, I need to get this out. Right. Like 9 having, on one <laughs> Having somebody, having a keeper that's good with their feet just helps ease the defensive back line a little bit more because it gives them avenues to recycle position. No longer do they feel under pressure in case they get closed down because they can't trust the keeper with the, with the ball. But now they can. And I think that's going to be huge in terms of increasing defensive solidity if Westbrook stays on the side and if they build this unit up together a little bit more. Yeah, that that confidence to keep them kind of pushed up and pushing forwards will definitely help. But we have to see how he's going to perform and if he's going to be stuck in the bench too, right? So mm. we'll, we'll have to watch and see where they go with it. I think, I think the next game that we come up to, that'll be... I think that's going to be our one. That's going to be where we decide what's going to happen with him. How is he going to work? How is he going to gel with him? Because he also could have called out Mavinga when he was standing in the wrong position. So it's it, it is going to take some time, but I think I wouldn't blame him if he's hesitant to do so because he is the new guy, right? He's not he's not like this seventy five million pound signing who just comes in and is expected to be this leader. He was signed as a backup option. Now he's being put into the number one position, a position which I think he should keep. Um, one thing I did notice from from his game is that he had fantastic positioning. I mean, he was really he did have a rough night because he'd let in three goals at the end of the day, but most of that can be blaming the defense. There was a free header, there was a free shot on goal, and the second one was just a very well worked goal. But he was in the right position the oh, whole yeah. time. Yeah, it, well, that's it. And again, too, you, when you only have you're, when you're those when, when the goals inside the eighteen yard box. There's nothing. What do you do? Your your reaction time is only so quick, and your body can only move so fast. There's only so much you can do. He was in the right spot, and his hands were just not able to get there. Yeah, and that's and that's honestly just being in the right spot is more than what we can say on a consistent basis for for Bono. So I think he had a really good night overall. And that's going to do it for part one of the Starting Eleven Toronto FC edition. Coming up next, we're going to preview the next fixture versus Minnesota and talk about. TFC's overall big picture status. All that and more coming up on the Starting Eleven podcast. Hey everyone, if you've liked what you've heard so far, please subscribe, leave a rating and a review to let us know what you think about the show. We would also love to hear from you. So please, if you have any questions, comments or concerns, please send them our way over at the starting XI podcast at gmail.com. That's the starting XI podcast at gmail.com. For more general abuse, be sure to at us and follow us over at XI Podcast on Twitter. Now, let's get back to it. Welcome back to the Starting Eleven Toronto FC edition. Coming up on this part two, we're going to be previewing the upcoming fixture against Minnesota United, who have, for the most part, started quite well. Six games played, ten points. I'm almost averaging two points a game, which is kind of where you want to be when, if you want to have supporter shield aspirations, playoff aspirations, certainly. Um, they've scored 14 goals and conceded 11. Their attack is fairly sharp, but their defense also is not the sharpest in the league. So with it coming up against Toronto FC, who are very sharp in attack and again, not so very sharp in defense that we've already covered. Um, this should be an interesting matchup, eh, Peter? Uh, I think so. It's going to be good. I think uh, earlier in the season, well, before the season started, we 
talked about our dark horses and our playoff contenders, and I had Minnesota as one of my uh, dark horses and uh, playoff contenders coming out of the West. So I think they're kind of living up to to what we thought they were. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that Carlos Quintero's probably he could be up there for newcomer of the year uh, if he can continue playing like he's playing. And yep. you know, Angelo Rodriguez had a decent game uh, last game, so. Well, uh, we'll see what happens. Minnesota United are coming into this game having just played New York City FC. That result was a 3-3 playing at home. Andre, you kind of expected them to win that, didn't you? You you really, going into the, the fixture, like you was almost expected that Minnesota was going to win based on how well that they've had in attacking. Obviously, the defense has been kind of shoddy at times. But to be honest, they would have lost if it weren't for the disallowed goal with VAR. Because of that disallowed goal, like in an offside, which was kind of hard to see, like he, he ended up, they, they wanted to go for offside, but it ended up becoming a handball, and that was what VAR was there, and that's what they determined. The, the whole first half of that Minnesota game was so much Minnesota. They had such, and I'm not going to lie, I'm going to put probably Osvaldo uh, Alonso, that goal in the 13th minute, I'm saying that's up there for contention of probably goal of the season. I hate it's, Ozzy Alonso. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a beautiful touch to a scissor kick. Like it was just such a good shot, and then it was another goal, and then the, the I think Sean Johnson looked at that Maxim miss, like that Maxim stop goal for PSG, and was like, "I know how I can beat this," <laughs> and basically just backheeled it into his own net, and it was Amazing. it was. And I could have, I could have sworn at that point that that would have been it. That would have been Minnesota would have went through, done, because that would have been disheartening, and they would have just the whole they would have never recovered from that. But that wasn't the case. It went on again. They got that disallowed goal. Then there was another goal there, right after in the 64th minute, and it was like that's what tied it up. And it was just so expecting a Minnesota to win, and it's going to be interesting to play because we are going to have to deal with such a good attacking force with terrible defense. So if we can keep the ball in their half, I think we'll be good. Now, Minnesota United do, did go out last time around with a 4-2-3-1. Um, and I've been noticing, just kind of cruising through some of the results and some of the stats uh, of those results, they don't seem to be very keen on holding on to the ball. They, it feels like, if I just had to base it off stats alone, it's, it looks like they're a counter-attacking team. They are. They're a very counter-attacking team. Lots of space. Um in their squad, as well as they have two great holding midfielders in, in as much as it hurts to say me, or for me to say, uh, Alonzo and Gregus. So they don't really worry about um, playing the tiki-taka type football that, um, you know, Greg Vanny wants to play. Well, look right. at the possession stats, 70 to 30 mm-hmm. for, for New York City. Like that, that's, if somebody would just look at that and be like, oh, it's a counterattacking game, because you just haven't had the ball enough to not be playing counterattacking. But here's the thing that worries me is because they might just have 30% of the ball, but they're putting it in the back of the net. They've scored 14 goals this season, right? And Mm -hmm. if we go out again playing 3-5-2 and they set up as a 4-2-3-1, remember how we were talking about how, uh, I think it was last podcast, in the EPL podcast, we were talking about how uh, Man City could exploit a uh, 3-5-2 by playing to their wingers extremely wide and exploiting the space between the left side or right side of the center backs and their full backs. If we do that, if, if we play 3-5-2 and they play 4-2-3-1, we, 
I feel like that's what's going to happen to us. No, yeah, you're right. We, we could be caught. We could be caught flat-footed so many times. So what do we do? Do we go out, play three-five-two, have most of the ball like we did against Seattle, or do we go back to four-four-two diamond, or do we do four-two-three? What's the, what's the best formation to play against Minnesota? I, I think I think keeping you want you definitely want a fourth. I would say in that back, get rid of that three. Maybe maybe a a four-three-one-two kind of thing with like that side essential keeping Bradley. With, with that sort of central ability to go back because we can hopefully there'll be enough momentum when they're trying to backtrack to counterattack that we can spread out and catch them versus mm-hmm. us trying to be very forward heavy because at least we know Pozuelo, Bradley, and Altador are going to be good enough to hold that ball up in their end. But hopefully we don't have to be worried too much about if they get caught, we're all trying to backtrack because we know most of these players like don't do it, Marl won't do it. You know, Azorio will, Marl will, won't, you know, Zavalet is there and he won't. He's supposed to be there and he won't. Like that's right. his position and he won't. So yeah, I see this being a four-four-two. This is going to be a uh, probably an Ashton Morgan type match where you need that little bit of pace to uh, keep up with their their wingers. Mm-hmm. Um, Drew Moore will be back in the eight or back in the eleven. So that'll be that'll be better. Is that for confirmed? Us. I, know, I know he was off through injury, but was that just a precautionary? Yeah, thing, it was precautionary. He... They didn't send him to Seattle just because it's turf a. And B, you know, it gives them a little bit of time to to heal up for the next it's, match. It's a tricky it's a tricky one in terms of personnel because you do want that experience in the back line. You do want some solidity, especially against a tricky counterattacking side. Like if Minnesota do play counterattack against us as they've done with all the teams before. Um, so you do want people who are positionally sound. And as we saw against Seattle, Zavaleta and Mavinga leave a lot to be desired. But if you play Simon and Drew Moore together, there's no pace in that back line. Yeah, I don't think they'll do that. I think that's why they'd bring in Morgan and uh, have Moro as the right back. Then mm. probably Mavinga and, and Moore, just so you have that little bit of extra pace to keep up with them. I think Vanny would be smart to give, give Minnesota the wings, allow them to run up and down the wings as much as they want, stay very condensed, and defend those crosses and then hit them on the counterattack because they've shown that they're not a great defensive squad. So we, we're going to have a little, bit of, uh, a little bit of a headache here, I think, trying to play those long balls through to Josie. Um, so this might be an AO Akinola game playing with Josie up top. Um, so we'll see what happens. They are, they are very header-oriented or you know, off the crosses, off the kind of volley system. So if we can at least use the fact that I, th- I believe a lot of our players are actually taller than theirs, we mm. can we can get away with that a little bit better. So well, know. also also if we play um, if say if we play four four two diamond for example, and we play Akinola with Altador, we put Pozuelo in the ten, that midfield kind of picks itself. It'll be Azorio, Bradley, and probably Delgado, right? Probably. Or De Leon, or De Leon probably. Yeah. Um, and all of all of our midfield options. I know you have your reservations, Andre, about Delgado and Peter with Osorio, but you have to say that they can recycle position. They can hold onto the ball quite well. They can. They're, they're not the most skilled at doing something with it in the final third, but that's why you have that front three of Akinola, Altador, and uh, and Pozuelo to do to do that job. And the good news is, if we play mostly down the middle. And we, like you said, we give them the wings. We let let them have the wings. That would kind of force them 
to adapt to us a little bit. It'll, it'll it bring their it'll bring their wingers in a little bit more, and then hopefully you know Bradley can and Osorio and uh, Delgado can start to double up on them when they do get the ball with the fullbacks. So like say Osorio doubles up with Moro, and then uh, on the right side if Oro plays, then Oro can double up with uh, Delgado. And that way you can stop the cross coming in. It, 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 I feel like it just makes sense to play a diamond against Minnesota. Yeah, I, uh, and a diamond, honestly, just from my personal preference, I think the diamond's the most effective. It's the most effective for what we have. Mm. You know, sort of, I don't know, what, telling him to kick the other players or something like that. Or, you know, diamond is, is what we need. I, I just, I see I see that being the better one. Now let's see if Vanny does listen to this, because if we get a diamond, we're, we're going to tell him to sell Delgado. <laughs> well, in a diamond, Bradley almost becomes the fifth center back in defense. So uh, I think that that's going to be best for defending those crosses as well as allowing us to play out from the back. Not least because we know Mavinga's starting and he can't be trusted. <laughs> Sorry, I had yeah. to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Mavinga time. Uh. Well... Honestly, um, this does look like a very winnable game for TFC, uh, despite the last two results. I mean, the Chicago game, which was a draw, it did, it did feel like a loss. Um, it, thankfully, Azaria did equalize, but because we, we tried so hard and we eventually got stopped by Schweinsteiger, it did feel like we deserved that game. It felt like we were the better team throughout that game. So for a lot of people, a lot of section of, this, of, this, of the fan base thought that that was a loss. And it did, and then like the the after match atmosphere definitely felt a little bit down. It, uh, you know, the fans were a little bit dejected that we didn't come away with the win. Uh, and then with Seattle, like I think, I think the mood around the sport is a little bit different with that one because we know Seattle's a very good team. We know they're probably going to be one of the favorites to win the Shield and to win the Cup. Uh, so it doesn't feel like the result that we got was a was a bad one, especially with Altador and Pozuelo combining yet again for two very very good goals. What do you guys? And think? missing one of your best center backs. Yeah, yeah. we were just it just it was it didn't feel overly like a loss because they were it was Stefan Fry that kept them in that game. Mm. If, 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 if he had a small slip up. Then we'd easily have gotten up and and would have been um you know a three three it would have been a four three we could have easily gotten those goals the chances were there they were on target they were heading for their destination we were very very close to having that win so I, I I'll take it I, I'll take that as a as a an ending as a, a victory in that sense because we could it could have went a lot worse yeah and we didn't we didn't have anybody not kind of meet expectations like we expect our defense to be shit that's why we're so hard on them and that's why we just dissect them we expect we expect our attack to be brilliant because they have been and they they have really turned our fortunes around up top compared to the start of the year where we were missing Vasquez and Giovinco and they're slowly 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 starting to become uh you know distant memories like I, I much personally, I prefer the style of play that Pozuelo and Altador are producing at this point in time, and I love that Akinola is now part of this the front three conversation because he's exciting, he's he's new, he's fresh, and he brings a, a certain level of finesse that we've been missing from our forwards for since forever. I think I, I wouldn't I mind. Just, I wouldn't mind seeing you know Schaffelsberg kind of play in there because when he was playing in Panama, he had he was in the back end, he was in the front end, he was winning ball. He's he's a forward. But he was he was basically almost tackling like a, a defense. Mm-hmm. It was it was crazy to see, and I wouldn't mind seeing what he can do. And I think it would almost be like a Torreira for Toronto, just a small little scrappy right. guy who is able to really get in there and pull the ball and strip the ball off people. Man, you really don't want Delgado to start, do you? 
God, I really don't want Dale Connors to start, okay? Look, Greg Vanny, if you do happen to stumble on this after I send it to your email, tweet, phone, text, and a, a copy DVD version, please, for the love of God, start someone else other than Elgato, okay? I can't. Every night, I wake up in cold sweats thinking about that Mexico, that Guadalajara game, okay? Every night. That ball, I see the ball. There's a star that goes by, and I'm pretty sure that's the ball. I just, I can't. Can't. And if I ever meet you, Doug Otto, I'm sorry. <laughs> he apologizes in advance. True Canadian. <laughs> yeah. Well, most of us, I don't want to get punched. Like, you're the jackass he has been saying this. <laughs> I mean, if he goes to punch you like he like he takes shots, yeah, he's going to miss. So, <laughs> don't worry about that. I'll just, dr- I'll just dress up like a net. He'll miss me every time. <laughs> well, look, I mean, TFC have played five. They've won three, lost one, drawn one. They have ten points. There are four off the top, but crucially, they have two games in hand. And the next two games against Minnesota and Portland, they're very winnable. So I think perhaps one of the reasons we weren't too fussed about Seattle is because I think in the grand scheme of things, going to Seattle and winning is is always a tough thing to do. But more importantly, we're still in a fantastic position in the league. And what in the world is going on with Portland then? Again, because they've six games and one draw is all they have. That's 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 sad. That's that's abysmal. Like they're that's hot next garbage. Level. Like I don't feel so bad about last year. Like they're almost as bad as Atlanta, and Atlanta has more points. That's yeah, it's 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 sad to see, but I hope for the league's sake and for their sake they turn it around, just not against us. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah yeah yeah. Keep screwing up, but just like against us, and then you can spin it around. Let's beat them seven nil. Here, no, here we're, we're gonna be the next Canadians. We'll beat them like seven nil or eight nil, and it'll be so bad that they fire their coach, they get a new coach in, and they'll get that new coach bounce, and then they'll be back uh, in in the mid table. Right. We are the thankful and thoughtless. We are truly the force the league deserves. We, we're, we're the force. We're not the force that it needs, but we are the force. The deserves. one that deserves. <laughs> I, 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 there we go. There's the starting 11 podcast's final motto. Not the team the league des- needs, but the team the league deserves. No, not, not the podcast the league needs, but the one it deserves. Oh, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Um, <laughs> I'll take it either way. Casey, Casey, if you're listening, please help us out with that. Casey's our social media expert and queen. Um, yeah, and, and every, yeah. everything everything we go like she puts up with so much of her crap and yet now she has to deal with our uh, our half acid marketing it's great our, her, her job her job is 20% editing her stuff and 80% saying no you can't do that yeah yeah <laughs> and and 300% slapping Andre because it's just so easy to do that oh, anyways well. anyways Amen. before I'm we able to piss off a nation in one go okay that's pretty true. good this is true. This is actually very Anybody ever impressive. been banned from a Reddit? Because I can get you banned from a Reddit. That is... Uh, <laughs> he knows what some, to say. The, you should put that on your Tinder. Anyways, uh, <laughs> moving on. Just, just, before we, uh, just before we wrap up the, this, this wonderful podcast uh, section, we should uh, talk about our predictions. What do you guys think against Ooh. Minnesota? Huh. Uh, three, three, one. 3-1. Three, 3-1 one TFC. Score. Uh, I, honestly, oh, I think that it's going to be Josie and Pozzuolo again. So I think Josie gets two. I think Pozzuolo scores. But this one is going to be on a direct free kick. Oh, okay. Interesting. I think we're going to probably have a big shakeup. I think Vanny's going to listen to our predictions and change things up. I think we will see kind of a big change in there. I think he's, he's at a point where we no longer want to just do the same system and repeat it. I'm going to say 4-0. It's probably going to be my goal for us. If it's 4-0 mm-hmm. the opposite way, I'm going to... 
work out in the traffic. <laughs> but I, I'm gonna I'm gonna peg it as Bradley will score Azorio. I'm gonna say Altador's gonna have a bad game, and it's gonna be Delion and Delion. Yeah, to I'm, gonna, score. I'm gonna I'm gonna put Delion Delion there, and I'm gonna say Akinola and Pozuelo will have two assists. Okay. All right. Bold. And some. I think Altador, I think Altador will have an assist, one assist as well, and I don't know where the other one's gonna come. So I'm going to say three two. Because Minnesota do counter quite well. I think we're not ironclad in possession, and I think our center backs need work. Um, and I think we're going to play a diamond, and I do think our goals are going to come from midfield. So I'm going to give one to Akinola, uh, one to Pozuelo, and one to Azorio. And that's my position. Oh, an Azorio goal. Oh Whoa. my God. Well, it's, <laughs> like, it, it's almost like he scores goals, right, Peter? <laughs> sometimes, sometimes. Some, some, once, once in a while. See, I'm basing well, mine on on our performance from NYFC and their performance on NYFC and the attacking styles that can be different. So I'm I'm basing mine completely on the fact that I hope we play four four two diamond. That's well, Manny, it. We know you're listening. If you play four three three, then we win six 0 easy. <laughs> Wouldn't this be funny if it was such a counterattacking game that nobody actually attacked, right? And everyone just played the ball along their back line the whole game. That would be a truly Canadian football bash. No, you have the ball. No, you have the ball. No, you have. I know. I insist, please. It never. It never leaves the midfield. It never makes it inside an eighteen yard box. Well, like it's just literally snagged up every time. Well, we're going to hope for an exciting game uh, regardless. Hopefully more exciting for us than it is for them. And that's going to do it for us on the Starting Eleven Toronto FC edition. Thank you so much for watching. Please let us know how you liked this new format. Do you love it? Do you hate it? Uh, be sure to follow us on XI Podcast on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. They're all the same now, thanks to uh, the wonderful social media queen that is Casey Liana. And we also have a website now, so go to xipodcast.com. Go there and uh, leave us some comments on the new format. Be sure to uh, leave us plenty of abuse because we do like that sort of thing over here. We're, we're, we're into that sort of thing. But yeah, thank you so much for listening. Once again, this has been Andre McRae. Toronto FC, ale, ale, ale. Peter Robinson. Support local football. And <laughs> myself, Cengiz Khan, Justin Barr, will be here for next week's episode. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.